Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What's up, babes? In along the wall, a puck to the left point, kept in by Orbit, down in front of shot, and they score! And it's Devontae Smith Pelly on a save at a left point! DSP save of the day! We're tied at three with 10.08 to go! How about Devontae? The Caps with life here in game five! Welcome back to Japers Rink Radio. I am your host, Adam Stringham, and today I'm happy to be joined once again by Kevin Klein. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm doing I'm doing well, especially now that we've actually got uh, a hockey team that knows how to win some hockey games to root for. Now, hopefully we're not jinxing anything, uh, since we are recording this on, on March 17th, uh, prior to the Capitals game tonight, so... Um, happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Right now, the Capitals are riding high. I mean, I believe they've taken what all but one point since anthony mantha came back into the lineup uh what are your kind of thoughts on how the team's playing right now well i think it's great and i think that the return of mantha and essentially restoring the lineup to uh its optimal state more or less as you would have drawn it up at the beginning of the year is is the big story right it's not just the return of mantha it's the return of mantha on top of the returns of Backstrom and Oshie and all the guys who missed time before that. Um, but, I mean, they've, they've looked great. They've taken, like you said, they've won five of their last six, and uh, that one loss was an overtime loss. Uh, they had the big West Coast swing, which even when the quality of those teams, you know, is pretty variable from year to year, uh, winning those games on the road with all that travel is great. And they did have one really good uh, win against the Calgary Flames, who's a strong team, uh, to build on a really good win to kind of start this run against the Carolina Hurricanes, who's obviously one of the top teams in the league. So, um, you know, I famously wrote the uh, the Capitals should fire Barry Trotz piece back in February of 2018. And I think one of the ways that whole season changed my way of thinking was to really minimize the importance of the quality of play at that time of year if you look like you're going to be a playoff team regardless um and so that's sort of what i did in my head and it's all about can you get hot at the right time and uh you know, we've still got like what six, seven weeks before the playoffs start, so it's not exactly the right time now. But to see the team get healthy, start to find their stride, um, 
it's great. You know, I'm optimistic about their ability to um, contend, but by no stretch of the imagination do I think they're a favorite. Um, But, you know, I could see them getting hot at the right time and making some noise, and we'll see what happens Monday at the deadline. Now, talking about the deadline, uh, I guess when Mantha came back was right around the time when Brian McClellan said that he essentially didn't really think the Capitals were a top contender this year, that he thought they'd be less aggressive at the deadline um, because he didn't think that they were you know, one trade away from being a true contender. Do you still think that's the case? It's a hard one to try to decipher. Um, Brian McClellan has been pretty candid in his comments to the media in the past. You know what I mean? Like he's, uh, he's been true to his word more often than not. At the same time, uh, it seems sort of out of character to just be that frank about it. But then again, maybe that's because what he's being frank about, which is the ability to contend of this Capitals team, um, is in a different state than it ever has been in the past. Uh, so if, if you come to the conclusion that we are not a contender and therefore we're not going to expend assets in order to try to make a run at it this year, and you truly believe that in your heart of hearts, I don't see why any five or six game stretch of games would change that. I think the wild card is the fact that it is sort of maybe only the second stretch. No, I think it's the first stretch of the, of the entire season that they've seen the uh, that they've seen the the team with its full arsenal available to them, and the results have been so good. So, um. I don't see them making a whole lot of noise at the at the deadline, right? I don't see them going out and getting a, uh, I, you know, I don't even know who the big, the big rental would be this year. But in years past, it's been guys like Eric Carlson and stuff like that. And I, I don't see them going and getting a marquee name uh, at all. But sure, I could see them adding depth in the bottom six, or maybe even getting a goaltender uh, if the if the price was right. You know, speaking of goaltending. The Marc-Andre Fleury thing seemed to pop back up again this week. Um, but but the general consensus seems to be that Fleury's not too interested in Washington. Uh, how desperate are you for that goaltender now that uh, Vitek Vanacek's kind of looked better? And if you were the Caps, would a goalie you'd look at, um, would, it, would it be the guy that just uh, surrendered Ovechkin's Jager-breaking goal? Would it be uh, Simeon Varlamov? <laughs> uh, wouldn't that be... Uh, be a story. Varlamov coming back uh, at the end of the tail end of the Ovechkin era here uh, to try to make another run for it. He's sort of the guy I associate with uh, in the beginning. I mean, I know it was Cristobal Huey in 08 that really started kickstarted the consecutive playoff appearance uh, streak. Well, that streak's not active anymore, but you know what I'm talking about. This yes. long stretch of them making the playoffs every year except for one or whatever. And then it was Varley the next year, right, um, coming in to replace Theodore. Yep. Um, des- des- desperation is probably not the word that I would use. I don't think there there still isn't a guy that they can trust. Vanacek has risen to the top in this most recent batch of games, but... But they, they've him and Ilya Samsonov have flip flopped this way uh, any number of times over the 
the course of the couple of years where they've sort of been the one-two punch with nobody claiming number one. So I think if there was the opportunity to get a more proven commodity who has playoff experience um, and has generally put down a more stable um, rap sheet than either one of these guys, I'm into the idea of it rather than just taking your chances with one of these two guys. Uh, but like I said, it needs to be um, pretty cost-efficient in order to go do something like that. I think um, if you really don't think that the goaltender is the one missing piece and it elevates you from, um, you know, we've got a chance and anything can happen to the realm of uh, cup favorite. Yeah, I think uh, as, you know, uh, we've had so many guests on that I don't even remember which, which one was the first one that said this. It was, it's essentially... Uh, the Capitals are no longer in a place where a they just need average goaltending to probably win the Stanley Cup. That they'll need above average to or exceptional goaltending. Um, and Holpe gave them that for for most of the playoff run in 2018. But the Capitals were an exceptional team. I mean, they played really well down the stretch, especially after the trade deadline. Um, I mean, if this run that we're seeing right now continues for another uh, you know 10, 15 games, I think. I'll feel differently about the Capitals, but by then the trade deadline will have passed. So I think Brian McClellan's in a bit of a tough spot, um, especially because he has to weigh the factors that you mentioned. Um, the, the biggest one being, is this the real Capitals because they're finally healthy? And, and I don't think that's necessarily an easy question to answer, especially with such a small sample. Yeah, and talking about like you need to get a certain level of goaltending in order to make any reel of noise. Um, and the reality is, like, anybody can go on a heater at, at any time, and we see it every single year in the playoffs. Some goalie somewhere gets absolutely hot. So what you're, <laughs> what you're really doing when, when you're, quote-unquote, upgrading your goalie is you are trying to increase the probability that, the goaltender that you're going and getting is the type of guy who's going to do that, right? Um, There's only a handful of guys in the league who can reliably provide Stanley Cup winning level goaltending, and that type of guy isn't going anywhere. So on some level, um, you're you're just buying a lottery ticket, and, and the two guys that they already have are kind of lottery tickets. Well, you know, the best way to increase your odds is to get more tickets, but I don't think that quite works that way when you can only field one of them at a time. That being said, the Capitals did use Grubauer to start the playoffs in 2018, um, and they were able to bounce back and after losing those two games in overtime. Uh, not that I necessarily think that the same thing could happen here, but I guess having some options isn't the worst thing in the world. Um, I already mentioned it, but... Ovechkin is now the all-time leading goal scorer among European-born players. Um, obviously, it was a big moment for him, big moment for the franchise, a big moment for his teammates. What do you feel about Ovechkin uh, kind of passing that milestone? I mean, it's it's incredible. Uh, I don't I don't even know what to say that like hasn't already been said over the course of the last maybe six or seven years as it's sort of become more clear that he wasn't slowing down. Like, like he, he vaulted back from sort of the, the valleys of his career in a way that is largely unprecedented. And he's still pacing for upwards of, 
you know, 40 plus has an, has an outside chance at 50 goals this year at age 36. I mean, he's unstoppable. He's the best goal scorer to ever walk the earth. Um, hopefully the, uh, you know, he, he's able to keep it up for long enough to catch Gretzky, and that becomes an unchallengeable remark. Now, obviously, he's sitting at number three, and uh, there's always going to be people who just point to the, the absolute totals and say um, it doesn't matter what era they played in. It doesn't matter the conditioning levels of the athletes at the time. It doesn't matter the state of goaltending, the goals are the goals. Um but I'm I'm just I just feel so fortunate to have this be the guy who has been the focus of my attention for the last fifteen years when I sit down to watch my my favorite sports team. I mean, I think it's people go their entire lives rooting for multiple teams across the different sports that they follow, um, and and you hope for you hope that you get to root for a legend like this during that stretch of time, uh, and so I'm just extraordinarily grateful for it you know he's won the cup now so the monkey's off the back well obviously for him but i mean that was a huge deal for fans too um the idea that he wouldn't get a cup being a um being sort of a black mark on all of the other lists of accomplishments and now these accomplishments are just what they are and he's going to pass gordy howe next year um, and be the second all-time, and then it's it's on for, for Gretzky. So I I don't know what else there is to say. Um, it's just even when the team is terrible, like they were for most of 2022 until recently, I'm turning the game on, and the primary motivation to do that is because I want to see what Alex Ovechkin is going to do. And that's the way I felt, you know, 15 years ago, and it's still the way I feel now. What more could I possibly ask for? Yeah, yeah, that was really well said, Kevin. Uh, I mean, it's kind of like you get to watch. I mean, we're in an era where Brady retired. Obviously, he's unretired since, but you know, it's these kind of like pantheons of the sport. And I, you can argue that Ovechkin isn't necessarily the greatest hockey player of his era, but he is without a doubt the greatest goal scorer in the history of the game. Um, and we'll probably never see anything like it. And it's easy to forget just how lucky we are. Um, and I think you did a great job putting that into words. Uh, speaking about a guy that I thought the Capitals were really lucky because they drafted, totally changing the subject to a less positive note. Uh, Martin Farivari, who looked like he was kind of a steal. He still looks like he's a good, solid NHL defenseman. He's he's having a rough go of it, and it's been a rough go for quite a while now. Uh, what do the Capitals have to do to get him out of this funk? I mean... I feel like if he was a young forward, he would have been benched a long time ago. Yeah, it's it's clear that he's got a spot in the lineup. He's a part of the plan for this year. Um, I mean, obviously, he's paired with John Carlson, and, and he's playing important minutes. Um, just to tie the two, your last question about Ovechkin and passing Yager and uh, our new topic of Marty, there was a clip uh, out there, like, mic'd up, and... I thought it was really funny because it's it's right before the faceoff that Ovi uh, takes the puck and and scores, and, and Ovi's caught on the mic talking to Ferravari and saying, "Oh, we win this draw. I'm gonna pass the puck to you for the one timer. Look for me to pass the puck to you for the one timer." And then, and then of course Ovi just fires it. Um, anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. Um, there's you know they're tracing back the 
moment of decline, or I guess you could say the peak of his play, um, you can kind of trace it back to uh, when he was taken out of the lineup with COVID. Right around then, I think he took a really big hit in a game as well. Uh, I think he might have left the game. I can't remember the details around it. But there's sort of a lot of different variables there that is pure speculation, of course. Um, And so one solution is just he plays through it. Um, You hope that he, he gets the kinks out and finds his stride again before the playoffs. Um. And then the other possible thing here is that he's just hitting a rookie wall, which is he's a young guy who didn't have all the experience coming into this this year, and he's been tasked uh, with, you know, a, f- uh, a true veteran's workload here, um, and he's he's flagging right now. So, you know, they could switch around D partners, get him some looks with some other guys in some different kind of minutes to see if maybe uh, get him his confidence back. Um, or, or maybe you give him a few nights off, although I'm a little bit dubious that, that that's going to do any real good. Um, I, I think you probably just let him play through it. I think it's part of learning and growing as a young guy in this league, playing through... Um, periods of of um playing through slumps right uh the the team around him was slumping now the team is is playing well but he's still slumping and just being able to work through it and come out the other side that's all part of um part of development you know what i mean it's it's kind of tough to sit through right now uh but i suspect that he's going to be better for it coming out the other side and hopefully the other side is before the playoffs Um, but if it's not before the playoffs it'll be for next year so sort of um I would say occupational hazard and just something to, to grind through. All right. I like it. It's a good, uh, positive take, um, on his kind of struggles. So when we talk a little bit about, um, we already talked about Ovi, what he's done. Um, another important milestone that has taken place since we last recorded was Nicholas Backstrom, uh, played in his thousandth game with Ovechkin, right? Am I remembering this correct? Thousandth game, thousands with Ovi, thousand, everything. Big NK1. No, he plays the Thousands game a while ago, yes? But the big deal here, Nicholas Backstrom, what positive stuff do you have to say about him? Well, it's it's almost like everything that I said about Ovechkin, but tamped down a little bit and applied to Backstrom, which of course brings to mind that uh, comic that Chris Bradford did for the site many years ago at this point, where it's just uh, Backstrom cowering in the shadow of uh, of eight. Um, he like without Nicholas Backstrom, Ovechkin probably isn't Ovechkin. Um, if it wasn't for Ovechkin, Nicholas Backstrom would arguably be the best capital to have ever played in DC. So again, it's about productivity and longevity. And then the sum of the accomplishments it's, um, he's exceeded, all reasonable expectation at the at the time of being drafted. Um, you know, I don't think his game has necessarily been up to par on the whole this year, um, but he's still been pretty productive, um, you know, sort of aging gracefully in the mold of that kind of uh, player that's more about vision and, uh, and hands than about 
speed and uh, shooting. So, um, yeah, you know, we've, we've got now however many more years, four or five more years of, of the Ovechkin-Backstrom battery. Um, their legacy is already cemented as the greatest one-two punch that this city has ever seen, in my argument, across, uh, really across any of the sports that, that I follow. Um, and, and they're only going to build on that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's incredible. I mean, I know, you know, we saw the graphics. I mean, there have been so few uh, teammates that have played a thousand games together. And, and it was um, when they hit that milestone last week, Backstrom hits his a thousandth point, And I think it something like his one, yeah, l- less than uh, 1,050 games. I think it was 1,037. Actually, let me look. Yeah, 1,037. He's done uh, He's done great stuff. And um, as you said, probably the best battery in Washington history, which is you know pretty good considering they have also uh, won a World Series in Washington, uh, where, where battery is a more traditional term. So the last question for you, Kevin, is will it last? Is this, are the Capitals going to go on a run here that makes you feel confident that they are a contender to at least win their first playoff round since 2018? <laughs> you know, well, winning the round is tough with the uh, the way that the seeding is slotting at the yeah. moment, you know what I mean. It's a it is a tough field, but I do think that the Washington Capitals are a significantly better team than their body of work so far this year shows, and I do think getting healthy is the biggest uh, reason for that. Um, and of course, they could get injured and fall back into sort of a personnel place that more resembles where they were earlier in the season uh but at full health and presuming a level of um chemistry building back up over the course of this next couple months yeah i'm really optimistic about the team to be competitive even against a field of of strong opponents you know i think one of the biggest knocks on them uh, analytically is just like, well, you know, the the expected goals are certainly nothing special, and we know we like to use that to uh, sort of evaluate a team's uh, how good they are at a high level, and that has been a terrible way to evaluate the Capitals for years and years and years now, and it still is. I think they're like the delta between their actual goals for percentage and their expected goals for percentage. It's like third or fourth highest in the league. They're in excess of it, of course. Um, I think that they actually do have a a very nice looking filled out roster when it is healthy and when Mantha's back. And to that end, what have they played like 15 or 16 games with Anthony Mantha in the lineup? And they've lost one of those games in regulation. There's a lot going on that I could see coming together to have this team icing a much more competitive unit when it matters most. Uh, The power play coming back alive. That power play stunk its ass off for almost this entire year. And all of a sudden it's coming alive and they don't need it to be a top 10 power play. If it can just be an average power play and they, they have a slightly above average penalty kill unit and special teams can be, uh, not a net negative for them. I mean, that that changes things drastically already. 
So, yeah, I'm bullish on them. I don't want to go out and say, yeah, I see them winning a uh, one round because of, of how stiff that competition is. But I will say that if they were to win one round, I could absolutely see them kind of catching the lightning in a bottle again. I don't see any reason why they can't with the, with the kind of guys that they have on this team. Um, and, you know, with the exception of the, the goaltending, which is guilty until proven innocent in my eyes. Well, well, Kevin, I think it was a it was a great run when they caught lightning in the bottle in a bottle before, and hopefully they can do that again. Um, sa- sorry, I couldn't get you to make a super bold, committed statement, but uh, appreciate the nuance. So, uh, thanks again for taking the time to join me today. And why don't you tell our listeners where they can follow you on Twitter? Yep, it's at Sick Unbelievable with no E on the end. There it is. On behalf of myself and Kevin Klein, thank you for listening to this episode of Japer's Rink Radio.